welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. The Jews referred to the tabernacle as the way, the truth, and the life. As you entered into the tabernacle, there, there, were, there were big wide doors, 20 cubics wide and 5 cubics high. And that was the way in. There was only one way into this relationship with God, and that's through Jesus. Jesus is the Son. And see, as you go into the tabernacle, there are three areas, the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies. And the psalmist says that we are on a lifelong journey into the Holy of Holies, which is a picture of the very heart of God. That's what we're after. We're after an encounter with God. And so we only get that through coming through Jesus, who is the Son. You can't know the Father without the Son. Because the Son reveals the Father and the Father the Son. If you come through any other door, you're a thief and a robber, Jesus says. There's only one door through Jesus. So we come into the outer courts. And you'll notice as you go through the three different sections that the means of light changes. In the outer court, there's natural light. In the holy place, there is the light from the lampstand. And in the holy of holies, there's the light that comes from the glory of God. In other words, the more we pursue the heart of God, the greater the revelation will come of who he is and who we are. Jesus said, I am the way. So the entrance into the tabernacle, I am the truth. The truth about God and about ourselves. And I am the life. In Revelation, they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Now that word holy has been trampled and misunderstood and it's just become a religious jargon word but you know the word holy means this wholeness god brings wholeness to your spirit your soul your body he brings completion the opposite of holiness or wholeness is brokenness and incompletion and everything we see around the world all the damage and all the pain is a result of brokenness spirit soul and body and the tabernacle is a journey into wholeness. And that's what I'm, I'm on a pursuit of finding wholeness, alignment. I used that illustration last week of, of uh, when I was a young boy, I fell off a fence. And uh, the results are evident for all to see. I fell on my head. My mother said I was never the same. But one of the things it did, it wasn't that funny. <laughs> one of the things that it did was... It put me out of alignment. And so when you, if you walk behind me, I look like my back was like that. And um, whenever I'd lift something too heavy, it, it would throw my back out. I was out of alignment. So I was constantly seeing the chiropractor trying to bring alignment to myself physically. But you know what? Most of the world's out of alignment, spirit, soul, and body. They don't know how God relates to them. And so their world is out of control. So we went, we've been doing a series on the holy place. So we go through the outer courts where we encountered Jesus, his sacrifice at the brazen altar, where he sacrificed his, himself for us so we could encounter God. There's only one way to God through the Father. So we've talked about going through the outer courts, the brazen altar, and then we come into the holy place. And the holy place is a picture of man's soul. So it's covered. See, the holy place is covered. The outer court is open. The holy place is covered. It's a picture of your inner world. It's what people can't see. They see the effect. They don't see inside. And so a lot of people get saved. They invite Jesus into their life, but they have no idea about the process of transformation. And that's what I'm about to teach you today, that there is a process of God transforming our soul, and it's in that secret place. So as we walk into the holy place, we encounter truth. And there are three things in the holy place. A lampstand, there is the table of showbread, and an altar of incense. And they represent our emotions, our mind, and our will. And those three areas, God's going to transform as you pursue him. The first week we talked about the will, how... Transformation can only take place when you come to this place where you say, God, I give you control of my life. And that is a major paradigm shift. 
We do a lousy job of self-governing. You created the mess that you're in. That's why you needed a saviour. That's why you said, Jesus, come in. We asked him to come in. And so we asked him, okay, God, now that you're in, take control of my life. Lead me into the pathway of wholeness. You need him. Did you hear me? You need him to make sense of your world. So most people have no idea of who they are. I've told you before that, that we assume an identity, but it's an illusion. It's being built through our own understanding of who we are, through society, through our parents, as good as they were. Nobody understands us like God does. And so I want to know, God, when you created me, what did you have in mind? What do you see when you look at me? Take away all the junk, all the lies, all the illusions, all the... See, because you can build yourself that God had never intended to be built. I see that when I walk down the street every day. God never created a reject, never created someone to fail, never created someone to be at the bottom of the pile. And yet you and I see people that they're walking around with their head down low, broken, in bondage, all sorts of things because they don't know who they are. And only God knows that. So when we come into a relationship with the Father, he begins to speak words of truth. He begins to explain to us who we truly are. And he says, nobody has the right to define you but me. You are hidden in Christ. So that tells me as I come into him, he begins to reveal who I am. I don't want to live in illusion. Do you want to live in illusion? Thinking that you're someone when you're not? Thinking that you're poor and broken? Thinking that you're shy? See, God never made a shy person. God made you to be confident, made you to make an impact in this world. So we come into this place of truth where he changes our will, he changes our mind. Paul says you need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And I told you that God's speaking to everyone today, words of success, giving you keys of breakthrough. But if your mind has not been renewed, if you think that God is an ogre in heaven who is angry, who wants to keep you minimized, who wants, it takes great delight in your poverty and your brokenness, when God speaks his words to you, you won't hear them. It's not that God's not speaking to you. Mark 4 says that the farmer sows seeds on all the ground. It's not the quality of the seed, it's the quality of the ground. The seed goes on rocky ground, it goes on grounds where there are thorns and thistles, and then it goes on ground where it's ground that produces 30, 60, 100 fold. If your mind is renewed according to what God thinks, when he speaks, you'll hear and there'll be fruitfulness. The problem isn't that God's not speaking. The problem is the way you think. See, wherever you have faith for God to speak, he speaks. I know God takes great pleasure in the prosperity of his people. Better money in my hand than in the hand of a crook. Why? Because I'll feed the poor. I'll bring change. I'll honor him with my finances. And you say, well, God's not interested in that. Well, then why do you spend all week worrying about when the ne- where the next dollar's coming from? He says, be anxious for nothing. How can you be anxious for nothing if you've got no money? Why would he say that? And then make it difficult. That's not a good father. Are you hearing me? What sort of God have we created in our minds? And so we go into this secret place. The lampstand represents the unlimited. There's no measurements of the lampstand because it's unlimited in its dimensions. As we begin to renew our mind, we have thoughts that are so great. We have a grid now for God to speak because he is so big and so incredible We need to enlarge our minds to get on the same wavelength as God is. He's not speaking small. He sees cities and nations. He said, can a nation be built in a day, one in a day? Can it? Can God change a city in a day? Bit hard, don't think so. Of course he can. Of course he can. It takes people that would think differently because that's the wavelength of God. This golden altar was higher than any other. It was two cubits high. It was higher than the other things, in the, the other utensils in the holy place. But what was unique about this altar was it was perfect in its dimensions. It was, 
It was uh, symmetrical. It was equal in all its portions. And it tells me that, that my emotional life is to be balanced and in order. It's a picture, and I'll show you as we go forward, of a happy, healthy, balanced, emotional life. Emotions shouldn't keep you in prison, and it shouldn't be kept in a prison. And you will never function in the fullness of God's plan for your life until you understand how God flows through the emotions. This golden altar of incense is a picture of happy, healthy emotions. Hear that? Happy, healthy emotions. I'll say it again. Happy, healthy emotions. How many people would like happy, healthy emotions in their own life and in their families? You see, the power is in a happy, healthy heart. Let me tell you something. If your heart, your emotional life is happy and balanced and strong, that is the greatest protection against all temptation and sin. An unhappy, unhealthy inner world and emotional life is the doorway to every temptation. If there's unhappiness and sadness and aloneness and, and all this turmoil in your emotions and you're married, that is the very place where you are will be tempted to enter into new relationships. Happy hearts are safe hearts. I was thinking... Maybe the reason, and this is not the only reason, but maybe the reason that Jesus was without sin was because he had the healthiest and happiest heart. It said that he was anointed with the oil of joy more than anyone else that had ever been created. Think about that. Jesus, the happiest, healthiest, most, most emotional, complete person. And because of that, when you're in that place, it is like a... a uh, a, a resistance against any form of temptation in your life. So I'm really interested in building a strong emotional life. I want to know how to bring control over every area of my emotions because I understand that it's one of the great keys. If, if the enemy can, can mess with your emotions, he will mess with your future. You'll, see, if you can't govern your emotions, you can't govern people. You, you won't do relationships well. You won't bring leadership to your street, your family, your workplace. If he can mess with your emotions, and I'm going to show you how to deal with your emotions today according to the old incense. It's all there. Emotions, the next slide, are the... The gauge of our inner world, they tell me what is going on. The Bible says about this altar of incense that the incense was burnt on the altar before the Lord perpetually. And what would happen was they would bring the coals of the brazen altar. Remember, that on the, in the outer court, it's a picture of Jesus' sacrificial death for us. And a picture, listen carefully, of the immense love and devotion God has for you, that he would send his son. That's where they get the coals from. It's the place of sacrifice, the place of God's unending devotion for you. And they get those coals, they bring it to the altar of incense, and they burn the incense on those coals. The coals from the brazen altar are a picture of Father's Immense love for you. The picture of the incense is your emotions. And listen, when your emotions come into contact with the reality of Father's love, the atmosphere begins to change over your life. See, when the incense was burnt, incense, it was the power of the incense was when they were burnt. When they were burnt, they would release a fragrance. Are you hearing this? So when your emotions, which are good, they're given by God, when they are fed by the pictures of Father's love for you, when you build, build into your inner world the reality and have pictures of God's unending love for you, when that is in your world, your emotions will be lit on fire by that 
and they will change your environment. I want to say to you today, if your environment is sad and negative, it's because you are burning the wrong coals with your incense. The Bible says that Aaron's sons burnt strange fire and God put them to death. Pretty serious. But when when I take that as a spiritual picture, it tells me, That if I have pictures in my inner world that haven't come from the brazen altar, which is God's love for me. If I build in my world a God that's angry and distant, when that comes into contact with my emotions, it will bring death. Are you hearing me? So if I've got pictures of a God that's angry, uninterested, doesn't care about my marriage, doesn't care about my city... He is so hard to get along with. It's going to burn strange fire and my atmosphere will be polluted. You know people like that. You get around, you just don't want to be there. They're sad constantly. It's because, see, and I'm gonna, I don't want to preempt what I'm going to say, but it's because they've got wrong pictures on the inside. And your emotions are just reflecting what you truly believe. Emotions, listen, you may want to write this down. Emotions are belief indicators, not truth indicators. And that is a profound thought, if I may say so myself. They're not reflective of truth necessarily. They may be, but they're not necessarily. But they are always reflective of what you believe. So you may believe, you may be a child and you may believe that your mum and dad don't love you because they... Told you to go to bed early. You may believe that. And so the child goes to bed feeling sad, angry. These are, emotion, these, are, these are real emotions. But they are not reflecting truth. They were reflecting a belief system. And that belief system may not be truth. It may be truth, but it may not be. And so that's why you need to understand the power of emotions. They are reflecting to you what you believe inside. And if your atmosphere, you want to have an atmosphere that's full of life, you need to make sure that you get your coals from the reality of God's love for you and let that burn the incense because when that happens, it will change your world. I want to have joy and peace and love as the atmosphere of my life. Matthew 7:15 says, "Beware of false prophets." Now think about this in context to lies and emotions. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. So sadness comes as a false prophet and says, "You are feeling sad, therefore it's a sign that nobody loves you." And that's the truth. He says, beware of false prophets. They come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. See, if you, if you feed that emotion of sadness, it will begin to self-destruct in your life. It will lead to depression and anger and resentment. And Jesus says, beware of false prophets. Just because an emotion comes, you need to understand, is this true? Or is this just a belief system? It goes on to say, every good tree bears good fruit. If you're connected to truth in your inner world, you cannot bear emotional torture. If, so there, there are, there's, emotions aren't wrong. So there's a place for sadness. You lose a loved one. But in the general going on of life, if the default setting of yours is sadness and depression, the Bible says, if you're connected to a good tree, you'll bear good fruit. And so if there are emotions in my world that are not healthy, it's a sign I am believing something wrong. I am connected to something that's not right. Are you hearing me? Emotions are like fruit on a branch. If the fruit is damaged, it's, it's, a, it's a picture to me that there's something wrong inside me that I am believing. It's a bit like if you put your hand on a hot stove by accident, there will be a sensation that will come even before you realize that you've done something. So the emotions are, a, are like a gauge, a warning signal to you that there's something going on inside. So I don't know about you, but I have times in my life where emotions have risen up. I was saying to Karen the other day that in the past I would be 
walking around and I would have this wave come up inside me of sadness. I don't know if you've ever had that. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm an emotional guy. <laughs> but I would have this wave come up of sadness and I could physically feel it coming up inside me. And then as I, as I looked down inside, I began to hear these words, I'm so, so sad. And I would hear that. And I'm thinking, what's going on? It's a picture that there is something inside me that's either, either there's a reality, I'm sad because something bad has happened, or else there's something that I've not dealt with and I've set up now pictures of belief systems that are not true. And my emotions are merely expressing what's going on deep within me. Are you hearing this? So I've got to replace those pictures. I've got to go back to those events and begin to build new pictures inside me of truth. So when they come in contact with my emotions, a right atmosphere will be around my world. See, when you meet people that are negative, it's only because they've embraced pictures in their inner world that have come in contact with their emotions and they're now burning, and I call it bad gas. <laughs> That's what it is. I've had bad gas days <laughs> where all around me is, is heavy and dark and it's because there's something inside me that is coming in contact. See, the emotions aren't wrong. They're indicators of bad beliefs. And this golden altar is a picture of a happy, healthy heart where the coals come in, in contact with our emotions and everything begins to change. See, the world's seen enough of grumpy Christians with placards walking down streets, demonstrating against all the things that are wrong in the world. And we need to be bearers of truth. There should be no compromise in truth. But it has to come through a heart of love. So I'm not a, I think we need to stand strong for what we believe. But we should not be just known for what we believe, but we should be known for our love. And the two aren't mutually exclusive, you know, love and truth. They go hand in hand. So in my world, I have the fruit of the Spirit. In the fruit of the Spirit, there are three major emotions, love, joy, and peace. And what I want you to do in your world is to be aware, without being overly introspective, and it's all about me, but be aware of the emotions that you carry. The love emotion. Am I feeling loved today? Or do I feel alone, sad, and depressed? Am I joyful today? Is there a smile in my heart that's being reflected through my face? Or am I caught up in pain? Is there the shalom peace of God? You know, I said to Karen, I'm growing in this, but I, I feel days where I feel... Settled on the inside. I feel like things are all in the right place. I've had days where there's been discord and you know, tension and anger. And, but there are other days where I'm, because I've been waiting on the Lord, I feel like he's bringing a deep sense of peace. You know, this is not like, you know, <laughs> kumbaya thing. This is, uh, this is real, like in a real world dealing with people, with challenges. But I sense I'm coming from a place Maybe it's maturity, but coming from a place where there's, it's settled, am, am I explaining myself, yeah. where there's peace there, not agitation. Yeah. I'm aware of the emotional gauges in my life. How am I doing, Lord, in this and this and this? And this is low. What am I believing that's bringing a challenge to that area? Is this helping? So pictures are a way to step into Father's life, love, and reality. They determine the emotions in us and the quality of the relationships around us. And this is really important in painful times. In fact, I wrote about this. If you haven't got this book here, I encourage you to get it, Finding Peace in Troubled Times. There's a good plug. But I talk about creating the right pictures in times of stress and pain because if you don't, that sadness, that pain... That anger, it will resurface maybe years down the track. And you'll be like me. You'll be feeling this flood of emotion. 
And you may not always be able to put together that this emotion I'm feeling today is not because I'm sad today. It's because back here, I allowed a belief system to come in, a picture in my inner world, and I've never changed the slide. Slide, that's an old-fashioned word, isn't it? (laughs) For kids, anyway, look it up on the internet. So I've said in my book, we must define our thoughts and sense our emotions in painful times in order to come to a right conclusion before we move on. Did you hear that? So whenever I am around a painful moment, somewhere in that moment, before I move on and say, right, that chapter's closed, and we do that. We go through pain. We close the door and say, that was then, my friend. If you've got inner pictures in painful moments, they don't go by themselves. You want to prove it? Well, just go and look in the local jail, local jail, the the jail, wherever it is. Go and ask people what pictures are inside them and what they're doing now. If you don't deal with pictures, it will surface. So I must define those thoughts that I had and assess the emotions I have before I move on. And come to a right conclusion. Where was God for me in this moment? So if my inner world, when I'm in pain, if I... i got to be so careful because I can turn to idols of comfort or I can turn to pictures of truth. And if I don't make sense of what went on and my emotions begin to feed off those pictures... This is what you do. You begin to turn to sources of comfort to soothe the emotions of your heart. So if you feel sad, what will you do? Open the fridge, pull out the ice cream, open the fridge, medicating emotions rather than changing pictures with truth. And so it's not just eating, it's going to the gym, workaholism, multiple marriages and relationships. That's all medicating emotions that are being damaged because of wrong pictures. Because in times of pain, I didn't define them according to how God sees them. So we need to change the pictures. And Jesus did this over and over again. Remember he said in Matthew 6, Do not be anxious. Easy for you to say. Don't worry about life, what you will wear and what you will eat. So what does Jesus do to fix the emotions of worry and anxiety? Do you know what he does? He says this. Listen carefully. Consider the lily and the raven. What is he doing? He is, re- he is dealing with wrong emotions or emotions that are out of control by creating new pictures within. So when I'm tempted to get anxious, I have a picture within that says, the raven. It doesn't toil. It doesn't sow. It doesn't gather and put stuff in barns. And yet God takes care for it. The raven is a picture of evil, of, of that which... That, that is in opposition to God. And God says, you know what? I send my rain on the just and the unjust. And here I am as a child of God, worried about where my next meal is coming from. And God says, let me put the picture of the raven inside you. For the pictures we create within us determine the emotions that come from without us. Are you hearing me? And over and over he does this in Scripture. He says, if you... A good father's and your, your child says, you know, can I have bread? Jesus said you wouldn't give a scorpion. Creating pictures. How much more will your heavenly father give you good gifts? See, Jesus is constantly recreating the pictures that mankind have been deceived into believing about God. Replacing old pictures with new pictures to heal our heart. So the challenge for us is to deeply meditate on the love that God has for me. I was reading in Psalm 86 verse 5. It says, You Lord are good. You're ready to forgive. You're abundant in mercy. This word mercy is the Hebrew word. He said. He said. H-E-S 
E-D. And that word, the commentators say, if there's one Hebrew word that sums up God in all the Old Testament, it's this word. And it's not really mercy. It's much more. Listen to what it means. It means that God is persistently and completely loyal and devoted towards us with unwavering kindness. That's the picture I want in my heart. A father in heaven who is absolutely devoted. I'm a good dad. Actually, that's not true. I'm an amazing dad. I love my kids. I would give anything for them. And I know many of you, all of you are good parents. But the challenge is, do we think we're better parents than God? What sort of pictures have we created in our heart towards God? God is such a good God. You know, he said to me the other day, and yes, God does speak. He said to me, Andrew, I've been waiting for you all my life. And here you are. He's so excited. He was so excited the day. My mother was excited, but, but nothing compared to God. And, you know, it's the same for you. He is so devoted to you. And I know for some of you thinking, that can't be true. You've just got wrong pictures. You've listened to lies. You've listened to the enemy. See, because the devil has an orphan spirit. He is against the Father heart of God. And if there's one thing that's attacked in this world is the reality of God and his love for mankind. If you really were God, where are you? It's because in painful times, we've allowed pain to define who God is. But I've discovered in my pain, and I've had my fair share of pain, I've discovered how real God is in those moments. And he has created new pictures. See, everything, your uncontrolled addictions and behavior, if you have them, it all comes back to wrong pictures. And we try to medicate people and, and educate them and deal with outside issues. But the real issue is, what are the pictures that you are believing inside you? We all have family albums and pictures that are dear to our heart. This one particularly was in our last house. And there was a shot that was taken with Matthew. And a picture tells a thousand words. I look at that picture. I think about the bond between a father and a son. I think about the joy of, of having a son that thinks you're amazing. You can see that, can't you? It's like, this is my dad. He is so strong and powerful. So we carry these pictures in our hearts, our wallets, put them on our desks, and they remind us of the bond and the memories that we have of not just past times but also present times. We carry these external pictures, but we also need to carry these pictures in our heart about God. Moments of intimacy with God. Ephesians 3.14 tells us, Paul talks, this is an amazing prayer of Paul. It's called an apostolic prayer. And he prays that, in fact, I'm going to read part of it. He says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in earth and heaven is named. We get our identity from our Father. It doesn't matter what anyone in the world thinks about me as much as what God thinks. If I get that right, everything else will come. In fact, more people will get along with you if you get that right. He goes on to pray that you, you're going to need strength now, church. Because when you get a revelation of the love of God, if you don't get strength from God, it's going to overwhelm you. It is so great. He goes on to say in verse 13 that Christ would dwell in your heart through faith. Who is Christ? He is the Son of God. Every time I read about the Son of God, I think about God's love for the Son and the Son's love for the Father. And because I am in Him, whenever I read about Christ, I see myself because we are hidden in Him. Everything that Jesus did was for you. So it says, may Christ, the loved Son, dwell in your hearts through faith. So in other words, he says, you, you exercise your faith and you place the loved Son within so I get pictures of how much God loves me and I put, 
place them in. That's what it means that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. How do you get faith? You put pictures in your heart. You read the scriptures about the love of God and you place that in. You create a family album of snapshots of God's devotion towards me. See, if you do this, see, transformation doesn't just happen. You can't come up and say, Andrew, pray for me. Boom, everything's changed. The transformation of the mind, the will, and emotions takes a deliberate action that I say, I will position myself, I will get a hold of God's word, I'll begin to think different, I'll allow pictures to come into my mind that when my emotions come into contact with my belief system, they will begin to air off love, joy, and peace. So I'm very mindful of my emotions now. I'm getting better. So when I feel sadness or despair, where's that coming? Why am I feeling like that? What's going on inside? What am I believing? Do I need to just have a sleep? Sometimes I can sleep emotions off. Or is this something that's prolonging? Is this, but it's interesting that, that this process of burning the incense should happen every night and every morning. As I went into the holy place, checking my emotions. Where am I at, God? What am I believing? That's why the Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And so if there are bad emotions, so I said you can sleep some stuff off. Some of it's just tiredness, but there are other emotions that you need to deal with. Don't sleep on it and don't let it get inside you. As we go into this holy place, I told you last week, there is... A heavenly roof, there are these pictures of heaven on the roof of angels, and there's a dirt floor. The only thing that's not amazing and beautiful is the floor. It's the picture of the earth that we walk on. Our souls of our feet come in contact with a broken world. Our souls come in contact with a broken world. The way we think, feel, and choose come in contact with a broken world. Are you hearing this? Souls. Soul. So when I walk into this place I'm, of the Holy of Holies, I'm walking into my soul and there's aspects of brokenness in my soul, but there's also aspects of new life coming. It's a conflict. It's a challenge. And there's things I've got to let go of and things I've got to embrace. So Paul talks about putting off and putting on. And all of us come into the kingdom with stuff that we've got to let go of. In my book that I wrote, The Gospel According to Noah, I deal with the, the, the second part of this book is dealing with the soul of man. Stuff the church doesn't talk a lot about. And I just want to read you something out of that book about dealing with the dirt floor or family albums, things that have been placed in our soul. This is what I wrote. The parental nurturing that we received as children was meant to be a gift from God. Did you hear that? What, what's the role of a parent? To reveal the heart of God to the child. So when I look at my mum and dad, it would set me up to make an easy transition into the heart of God. It was designed to create an earthly picture of the nurturing nature of God. But if your childhood, however, was void of love, I want you to take hope because all is not lost. God is able to redeem and restore everything that was stolen. So if you've experienced a love deficit, you need to be aware of not allowing your broken perspectives of love to remain unchallenged when you come into Father's kingdom. In Mark 3.31 Jesus redefined family and called that for every believer to embrace the priority of kingdom family over your natural family. In other words, the roof over the floor. The crowd said to Jesus, here are your mothers and your brothers and they're seeking you. But Jesus said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Then Jesus looked at those seated in the circle around him and said, here are my mother and here is my brother's. Whoever does the will of God is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Now, before you go and disown your mother and your father, let's understand what Jesus was truly saying. Scripture is clear that the natural family unit is precious to God and the foundation for all national transformation. He was not rejecting his family, but he was saying 
to us that to become whole, we must accept the higher realm of Father's opinion and relationship values. If our natural family has suffered brokenness or dysfunction, that it may have created wrong beliefs that we need to repent of. Repentance is merely coming to a new view. Jesus said that some people choose to live according to the tradition of elders or the commandments taught by men instead of the ways of God. So we may need to humble ourselves and receive as truth the new ways of God's family. So whatever it is that you've accumulated in your family life up till now, we need to be willing to lay down those pictures that are damaging our emotions. If you're sad, depressed, angry, it's a sign that you need to change the family album and get a new picture. I'm going to finish with one scripture because this is a scripture that helped me. As I said before, I had feelings of sadness. Now, as a man, you don't want to share that with everyone. Well, maybe you should, but I didn't know where it was coming from and I needed God to speak into that sadness. And he will. See, the amazing thing about God is that if you call to him, he'll answer you. You'll open up the word and he'll begin to speak. Solutions. See, the Bible. To many, this is something to be memorized so you win the Bible quiz. Information. The Bible's not about information. You know what? It's not even about memorization. It's about integration. It's about getting the emotions of the heart of God from there into here. That's what it's about. You can memorize. See, the, the scribes, the, the, um, the, the teachers of the law, it was said to them that you could get a scroll and you could put a pin through the scroll and they could tell you every word that the pin went through. Yet they didn't recognize Jesus when he came. It's not about memorization. It's not about a Bible quiz. It's about are the emotions of God getting inside me? This is a psalm that David is praying to God because there's a man pursuing him. And I replace that man as a picture of a lie that's been pursuing me. And the children of that lie are the emotions that's come out of that lie. So there's a man. So he's praying about the man and then about the children that will come out of that man. And he's asking God to get rid of them. So I'm, th- I'm replacing that man with lies and the children are the emotions that are birthed out of that lie. So he says, do not be silent, God, for wicked and deceitful mouths are opening against me. That's a lie. That lies come against me. God's not with you. He doesn't love you. They've come. They've accused me. They're wicked. He says, they encircle me with words of hate. They attack me without cause. In return for my love, they accuse me but I give myself for a prayer. So he's in anguish. God, all these thoughts are coming against me, these lies. They're accusing me, and I'm feeling under the weight of this. And he says in verse 9, May his children be fatherless. Oh, that's a... And may his wife be a widow. You know what he's saying? Kill the lie and don't let these emotions reproduce. Don't let them build an atmosphere. He says, Lord, kill that man, kill the lie, and don't let his children reproduce in my life. So I'm saying, God, where there's been a lie that's created this sadness, kill that lie, and don't let the emotions of sadness reproduce and build an atmosphere around my world. So you speak to that lie, that false picture. God, root it out, kill. Only God can do that. No psychologist, no drug. God, root out that lie because he's the author of truth. Root it out and, Father, kill the emotions of sadness and depression and don't let the atmosphere stay over my head. Are you with me? Verse 10, may his children wander around and beg. Oh, sounds mean. What's he saying? Let not those emotions be fed. Seeking food, from, f- food far from the ruins they inhabit. Let there, verse 12, be none to extend kindness to them. I don't want people looking after my... Oh, you poor thing, you're so sad. Let no one be kind to the children. 
oh, you're so sad. You had so many things go wrong in your life. I don't need that. I need someone to root out the lies in my life. Is anyone with me? I'm under a cloud. Well, get out of the cloud. Stop believing the lie. Let no one extend kindness to him, nor anyone to pity his fatherless children. May his future be cut off. May his name be blotted out in the second generation. In other words, when those emotions surface, that second generation from the lie, he says, may their name be blotted out in that second. So those emotions are never going to be remembered again. They're not going to be what define me. Their names will be blotted out. So they will not say, Andrew, the sad person. Blot it out. Let me not be defined by those wrong emotions. The prickly bear. You know that one that everyone avoids? Lord, let that not be my thing. Let me be defined by love, joy, and peace. This is amazing. May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord. Lord, you judge those lies. And let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. Let them be before the Lord continually that he may cut off the memory of them from the earth. You know that word memory? It is the word memento. Do you know when you get a memento? That's a reminder of a place, an event. And he's saying it's a picture. He says, cut off the pictures of them from the earth. So he's praying, God, root out the wrong belief systems and pictures in my world. What a prayer to pray. I'm feeling sad, God. These emotions are beginning to affect my world and my family. Root out the things that are causing the sadness. We're almost done. Verse 16, for he did not remember, that word is memento, to show kindness. See, the devil will never give you pictures of the kindness of God. That's the no-brainer, isn't it? For he pursued the poor, the needy, and the brokenhearted. That word brokenhearted means sad. I read that and I thought, that's what he's done to me. He's pursued me. He's not reminded me of how good God was. He reminded me of the ways that he believes that God has abandoned me. And he caused me to be sad. And I'm really ticked off because he's robbed me of times of joy and gladness and being connected to people where I've drawn back as I've been consumed by sadness in my world. And it's introspective. And he's saying, God, take vengeance on these lies, kill the emotions, and let me not remember them anymore. Take out those pictures and replace them. I don't have time to go on the rest of the psalm, but as I read that, I'm thinking, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Change the pictures. Update the family album. Curse those wrong pictures. And I'm telling you, every single person without, ex- without exclusion that is bound by an oppressive world in addiction and in bondage without fail have assimilated inside them the wrong family album. And if you change that if you get the coals from the brazen altar, the pictures of Father's love, and bring that with your emotions, the incense, it will change the fragrance over your world. Are you hearing me? And you wonder why God spends 50 chapters on the tabernacle. Because he wants, he is committed to your transformation. Do you know when you have one sad day, it breaks the heart of God because in his mind, he created you to thrive with love and joy and peace. He says, I've come that you would have abundance of life and the devil comes to steal, to kill and destroy. He robs you of days and relationships where you're so bound inside. And I'm saying today, it's time for you to change those pictures. It's time for you to say, enough is enough. I will not believe that lie anymore. I will begin to get in tune with my emotions. And every time I feel sadness and rejection, I'm going to go back and say, get lost. Get, take those pictures out and replace them. I'm going to go back and get some more coals from the altar of God's devotion. I'm going to store them up and I'm going to get my emotions. I'm going to begin to rejoice. And all of a sudden, my emotional gauge of love and joy and peace begins to rise. Don't you want that? Does anyone want to live that way? 
Good. I've done my job then. So, let's pray. Let's seal this now, because you've heard what God's saying. This is a word from God, because he's so concerned about your emotional well-being. He wants you to embrace life. So, Father, like the psalmist, we say, Lord, search into our soul. And where there are faulty pictures, root them out. Let them not bear children in our emotional life. Lord, we pray that you would change our inner world, change our atmosphere over our life. Father, come and invade our emotions with your goodness. Fill us with your love and your joy and your peace. In a world that's so broken and so confused, cause us to be people that will be such examples of your nature. That we'll be walking family albums of the kingdom of God. Of all your goodness and your glory. Because you are so good. We just ask, Lord, that every faulty picture of the enemy shall be rooted out. Cause us, Lord, to be in tune with our emotions. We thank you for the gift of emotions. You are an emotional God. And you come to bring such balance and order to our world. We thank you, Lord, for this gift. You cause us to feel, to express. Let it be through your life. We hand you down our emotions. And Lord, where there's sadness, where there's pain, where there's confusion, where there's anger, whatever emotion is that's been controlling our world, Father, we pray that you would go deep in our heart and begin to show us the connection between that and wrong belief systems. We give you our emotions, heal them, but more so, Lord, heal the pictures of our world. I'm asking, Lord, for every single person, show them, I pray, O oh God, how much you love them and that you're always with them. The psalmist said, I can go into heaven, I can make my bed in hell. There's nowhere I can go where your presence is isn't already there. And I thank you for that, Lord. Deliver people from the comforts and the addictions that they've brought in to manage their emotions. And show them, Father, the power of the emotions when they're healed. 